On this episode of the Rough Rough Raw podcast, we chat with Jess Kulik of Radical Pet, and she shares a little bit about her journey into raw feeding, how it's actually impacted her health, and just some of the ways that she suggests you get started. So tune in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Rough Rough Raw podcast. We're here with Jessica Kulik from Radical Pet. Hi, Jess. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, we had a recent uh, recent talk lately, and um, can you tell us your story about first how you um, came up with Radical Pet and how you started all that? Yeah, so it's actually been almost exactly a year since this journey started for us. Um, I just casually one day put on Netflix and was watching Pet Fooled while I was doing some chores around the house, and then it sucked me in. Uh, I had always considered myself a pretty well-informed pet owner with all the rescues that I had worked with and uh, fosters and having my own pets my whole life. But uh, that documentary really made me realize that I was quite the uninformed pet parent as far as like holistic and nutritional um, well-being for my animals went. So I just dove right in right after that. (laughs) What really stuck out to you when you were watching that show? Um, So ironically, the whole idea of just like the processed food like it just never real I never it never clicked to me that we're basically feeding them cereal every day and like no human would want to eat the same mm-hmm. thing every day let alone cereal um and then just not knowing all the ingredients that are in there um not realizing that the way like the coloring of food is really just food dye like to sell things like it's all just marketing so it really mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that reminds me of a um i'm a school teacher and there was a, a little school newspaper that comes out once a month and the lesson was on how they make dog food kibble and they talked about how they you know ground up all the meat and made it into kibble but then they talked about how they had to uh, spray it with flavoring and vitamins and colors and and they were making it sound like this is terrific to the students and I'm like um as I'm reading it I'm thinking should I be reading this with my students (laughs) and something as simple as just spraying it with beef lard they're allowed to call it beef and I'm like no (laughs) that's disgusting right that's a beef flavor right yeah Yeah. (laughs) with beef flavor (laughs) yeah yeah totally wrong (laughs) But so, yeah, the, and, and just like the nature of where the meat came from, not realizing it was like 4D meat or just not knowing. Like, I also didn't realize that all of the kibbles are pretty much owned by the same, like five or six manufacturing companies. And there's just like hundreds of different brands, though, that they're called. So that really bothered me, too. Mm-hmm. There's no regulation and you don't know what you're actually buying unless you really know how to research it. So. And they're always buying each other out, all the small yeah. companies. At first, you're using this small company thinking it's great. And then the big company buys it and changes the formula or changes the quality of the ingredients. And and then the food has changed. Yeah, you know what? And that's exactly when I realized that my one of my dogs really had food allergies. Because I used to feed her, I believe it was called Whole Earth Farms. And we never had any issues. I had her on that since she was a puppy. And then gradually, she started getting all these skin reactions and ear infections. And I came to find out that I think it was Purina that bought it. And the formula had changed. And I had mm-hmm. no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't alert you. Yeah. So with the allergies, did you? how did you know it was from the food? Did you just start educating yourself? Or kind of, how did that journey start? I didn't actually realize it was uh, the food at first. We were going to the vet. So the vet, uh, um, I was, before I moved, excuse me, before I moved to Philadelphia, I lived in Charlotte and I was pretty heavily involved uh, in a rescue there. And a lot of the dogs we had had special diet needs. 
Um, and so one thing I was really, really well aware of is that chicken is a common allergy, but we were mm-hmm. going to the vet all the time. She was getting in- ear infections, like every three months, her paws mm-hmm. were always like chewed raw. Her stomach was always red. And I didn't realize that those kind of rashes were specific to food allergies. I thought maybe it was just cause she was running around in the grass too much or like we were hiking all the time and it was just irritating. Um, but after going to the vet so many times and just having heard through the grapevine that chicken was a common one, I eliminated that and pretty drastically reduced her allergies. So I mm-hmm. thought we were fine, mm-hmm. but then we started still seeing some seasonal allergies, like the ear infections continued, the paws being raw continued. And I was like, okay, definitely mm-hmm. some pollen allergies. Cause once we moved to Philadelphia until this past summer, actually just recently, we had no allergies whatsoever. I know, knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. (laughs) We had (laughs) a a rough go of it about a month ago. She had to get on steroids despite me trying all sorts of natural remedies. We had to, Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I had to literally carry her to the bathroom because she wouldn't walk. So I was like, it's time for modern medicine's help again. (laughs) Right. Sometimes you do need a little bit of help. But yeah, going back to the chicken, um, what also people have to be careful of is just because the picture on the bag doesn't show chicken, it doesn't mean it's not in the ingredients or chicken fat. People exactly. don't always think anything about chicken fat. So, yeah, that is um, one of the top ingredients that I like to tell people to avoid is chicken and chicken fat. Yeah, and I honestly didn't even realize chicken was a hot protein. So I've noticed, too, just reducing mm-hmm. hot proteins mm-hmm. has helped. Right, energetically. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, that. And I actually had read before we started doing raw that um, they might be allergic to it in a kibble form, but eating it raw wouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I actually started out their transi- transition with giving them chicken feet and chicken wings. And she immediately started having reactions again. But as soon as I stopped, she was fine. So I was like, it's definitely got to be in there. I didn't ever do like a official test like through the vet or anything. But just- I just did that too with uh, my, my one dog, uh, Zoe. I just gave her a, a drumstick last week and I thought, oh, let's see, you know, what happens. And boy, did she react to that mm-hmm. and just had her... Um, tested with my brother-in-law after that and he's and uh after I fed her the drumstick and he said oh yeah she's showing that she's uh having a food sensitivity to chicken right now and I thought oh yeah I saw that yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's unfortunate because it's the cheapest protein and most easily available but we do what we do for our animals (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so was it is it just primarily your one dog that has food allergies what is what does your pet family look like right now So I have a cat that I've had for nine years, and I have Avery, the one that's allergic. She is going to be five years old. And then I have Reese, who I adopted as a three-year-old, who's about to be seven. They're both pit bull mixes. So do you feed everybody raw in the house? So unfortunately, I have tried with my cat time and time again, (laughs) and he just refuses. I mean, I'm lucky if he'll eat a can of wet food every other day. (laughs) Like he just lets it sit there to the point I'm like, okay, this is this stinks. I'm throwing it away and here's your kibble. <laughs> but I've tried. Have you, have you tried um, giving him shrimp at all? I've tried it all. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much pescatarian, so I have a lot of seafood around. I've tried the sardines, salmon, shrimp. Uh-huh. I've tried different flavors of wet food, and one day he'll love it, and the next day he, he doesn't want to touch it. <laughs> I've tried mixing in this, sli- like literally a teaspoon of raw into his wet food, and then he just absolutely fasts himself. <laughs> he's just a stubborn old redhead just like it's a very me. cat thing to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone told me that uh if you it, it's kind of mean but uh rub raw a little just a little bit of raw food on their uh front paws yeah. and they can't stand their paws being dirty so they'll lick it and then eventually they get used to it but i don't know 
if that's true or not. That wasn't a that's wise tale. I'm, I'm trying me. to, I have wood yeah. floors, so I think it's, I can stand a little bit of mess. It's almost torture, but <laughs> we're going to make you, we're going to make you like raw food. <laughs> stand by, I'll let you know if it works. <laughs> yeah, let me know. <laughs> so do you do homemade raw? So uh, for kind of the timeline of how things happen, right? So you had a dog with allergies, you kind of watched this pet fold documentary and then did you just jump right into making your own food or so did you start getting selective with kibble? What was that like? I pretty much did exactly what they warned you against doing and jumped right in. I was just like so inspired. And at the time, at that time in my life, I was like, I need a new hobby. So I literally <laughs> went out that weekend and I bought a freezer and we, I'm fortunate I live in Philadelphia that has a bunch of ethnic markets. So I just started perusing them one weekend and just like stocked yeah. up my freezer. Um, and then I took um, on, I think it's raw feeding my, uh, raw feeding Miami, raw feeding 101 course. Yeah. And just did the intro to that. So I started out just feeding, um, like a barf PMR diet. Um, and so, because they're pretty, they're pretty healthy. I wasn't too worried about, um, deficiencies right away. Do you want to explain what that is real fast? Which one barf or yep. both of them just yeah. for okay. our listeners. Yeah. So I kind of feed in between, I call it now PMR plus, but I would say barf is like the, uh, biologically, appropriate raw feeding and then PMR is the prey model prey model right <laughs> thank you I know I forget sometimes too <laughs> I'm like sitting here looking at the back of my brain is it prey model pre ratios is that what it is um pre model I think I've heard it both honestly pre yeah, model ratio, it up. Pre -model. yeah because then yeah. they do like the uh 80 10 10 right yeah 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 so with both, I do the, pretty much the 80-10-10 ratio, uh, and then I add supplementally just some veggies. Like I'll grind up some – I'll steam and grind up some veggies and fruit. Um, I try to add what I know that is common deficiencies in their uh, diet with whole foods. I'll do green lip mussels. I do oysters. I add some kelp, some vitamin E. Um, they also get the raw sardines. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's pre-model raw. Raw, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Although ratios kind of fits. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So going, you just jumped right in and got this freezer. So you were really confident then that this is just what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew like, when I started the Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doing that. I was like, I started the Instagram to hold myself accountable. At the time I was like, I'm going to start a blog and kind of do what Keep the Tail Wagging does. Uh, uh -huh. where yep. she, just, like, she just documents as she learns. And that was my intention as well, just so people could get it from a beginner's standpoint but I just and haven't had time to video? actually video I or didn't no I was I've just been doing Instagram for now I had I bought okay. a domain and have every intention of doing the blog I just haven't had the time work has been so busy that I I don't like to do anything havesy so I was like I don't have time to fully devote to this right now so it's, sure, it's, right. it's still there but I haven't really started it yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you um just said you that you took like a, a raw feeding 101 what else have you done to like educate yourself on this journey, like, so other people can start to search for themselves. What can they do to learn about this? Yeah, sure. So I did that. Where's that? That mm -hmm. is on that. So I actually found that through a Facebook group called raw feeding 101. Uh, that's okay. where I started. A lot of this journey is I just joined several raw feeding groups, uh, natural holistic groups. And I read through all of their files, kind of did keyword searches on what other people had posted about previously 
And then just in the past couple months, I've slowly started taking a self-paced course through the possible canine with Kat Lane. She's a certified herbalist and canine nutritionist. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a really in-depth course online that I've uh, slowly been taking when I have some time. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard about her. Yeah. So you probably noticed that there is such a huge... um, I, I want to say rainbow of theories on, yes. on how you, how to feed your pet raw or even homemade, whether you go raw or cooked lightly, um, that it's really hard to um, not be overwhelmed. Yeah. And there's a ton of opinion, opinions out there and everybody thinks they're right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, I, you know, my thought is take one step at a time and educate yourself as much as you can. But in the end, you have to do what feels right for you and your pet and how they're doing with the food you feed. Exactly. Yep. Feed, like they always say, feed the animal in front of you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good saying. Yeah. What have you noticed? What did you notice were the biggest differences when you started feeding your pets raw? I would say immediately their coats, they've always had pretty decent coats. They're short haired dogs anyways, but they're just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. silky smooth now. Um, they both lost some weight. So they're finally now at a more of a pet weight versus obese weight. <laughs> cause we're, yeah. we're more weekend warriors. We don't do much during the week, but on the weekend, cause we're in the city, but on the weekends we get out and go hiking. So they, had, they were easily losing some weight and had a lot more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, their teeth were drastically cleaner just from the raw meaty bones. Mm-hmm. Just overall, just seem so much more happy they get excited to eat again like they used to kind of like pick at their kibble occasionally and not want to they'd walk away from it and then they would only come back if they thought the other dog was interested in it and then they would like woof it down but now they're now they're like oh yay it's dinner time they come running (laughs) right so how long do you think it takes them to eat their bowl um they're pretty good they actually they still eat side by side there's no possession issues or anything like that but um they probably finish depending on what i give them sure sure. i've been giving them grinds um so they can eat that in like two minutes but if i'm giving them like a rabbit back or a duck leg then it can take them 10 Mm -hmm. to 15 minutes to eat yeah do they carry it around no (laughs) i mix that really quickly i i um actually have a cement back patio so when it's nice enough out i'll feed them Mm -hmm. out there but inside they i have a towel laid out and they know they're not allowed to leave that towel Oh, my dogs are terrible with that. Mine will carry it wherever. Yeah, when I first started, the one my um, Avery would take any like bone type thing to her crate or to her bed in the living room, and I would just take it and put it back on the towel, and she learned pretty quickly to uh, just stay there, or she wasn't mm-hmm. getting it. <laughs> it was too high right. for her to risk losing it, so she just eats it there. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I do a lot of grind because I just haven't had you know I'm not I, I'm not going to train them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to eat in the one spot because the, the one is food possessive and they yeah. do have to be a little bit apart. And um, so I just I just have a hard time with the training because that's more on me. I know that. But so I just do the grind and they eat it up within a minute. Yeah, they're just so fast. That's what it's so nice to see that they really enjoy their food and they're yeah, waiting so, for their food, you know, yeah, like yeah, they for their so food. The, the fridge opens and they're like, oh, who's it for this time? <laughs> is it for you? Is it for me? Is this oh. so do you do you feed raw meaty bones then or do you do something else with teeth cleaning i do raw meaty bones but not with their meal yeah okay like i do them separately but those you know i'm a little bit more casual about it um but it's not their meal so i'm not worried about um it's funny when they have a raw meaty bone they won't bother each other um they will leave to go different areas from each other and uh, when the older dog decides she's done with it sometimes she won't finish it um if she leaves it, 
she's okay with the other dog finishing it yeah. but um but they don't try to steal it from each other they're really patient but when it's um their food bowls you know they can be a little bit if they're too close they'll get um possessive and yeah. start fighting yeah yeah. So my uh, sister-in-law has a cat, uh, cats, and she has really been trying to get them to eat raw. And she's been trying so many different things. She just keeps reintroducing and reintroducing. And finally, the one, um, uh, the seems the thing that seems to be the most popular is uh, shrimp with them, and she's uh, enjoying that they're like growling and being yeah. primal. <laughs> yeah, primal. I was gonna say that's funny. Now that you said that, I forgot to mention earlier. Is I I keep thinking that I'm going to get my cat switched over because when the dogs are done eating, the cat will come over and lick their bowl, and I'm like, today's oh. the day, and then he just won't still won't eat. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, curious about it, but not enough to actually eat it themselves. Yeah, and he'll like, lick, like if I make, make scrambled eggs or make something with like cream in it, he is the first one there like jumping on the table or on the couch like trying to lick my bowl. But if it comes to like being in his bowl, not interested. <laughs> well, that's what you have to do. You have to put a little extra in the dog's bowl, keep the dogs away. Yeah, maybe I need <laughs> and, to do that. Anything He's staring at me right now as I'm talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> he knows, he knows yeah. the plot. Yeah. <laughs> So I know you've got a wide variety of foods going into like each dish. How do you plan out their meals and do you do it in bulk or is it like day by day or whatever you find at the market? Yes. Yeah, so when I first started, I was like, I'm going to try all these different fancy meats and proteins. And I ordered a bunch of <laughs> yeah. like exotic meats, but now I'm trying to stick to a budget. Um, <laughs> right. It can be expensive. It is. I mean, that, there's a reason I'm working a weekend job. <laughs> <laughs> for your no, dog. it's not really for that. I'm trying to pay off my student loan, but um I don't really have a plan. I do, I'm working towards um, like using chronometer or PDD to formulate actual accurate recipes. But for now, I stick to mostly ratio. And what I is just that that you're looking at using? So chronometer, which is a like a macro calculator for humans, also has a pet version. Oh. Uh, well, pet nutrient profile. And then PDD, which I believe is pet, pet diet, diet designer. I yeah. use that. I do use that. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I have a Mac, and I don't really want to pay, like, the $200 conversion. Oh, so you have to pay $200 for the conversion? It's something like – you have to pay for the software to be able to use it because the PDD itself, I believe. I do. I do pay for it, but it's not $200. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a Mac? No. 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 Yeah, I, I think – so the software itself is, like, Microsoft software. So yeah. So you have to so download it's... separate software on your computer. Yeah to convert that software to PDD oh, software. So yeah. it really, because, the, the dogs um, are pretty healthy, so I haven't uh, been too worried. Yeah, yeah. I do like it. Um, I've only been using it for a few months. Um, it, I think it was only $20 for me. Yeah, yeah, I think um, to buy it, yeah, that's all it is. But the actual software to convert to be able to use it on my Mac is the more expensive part. Mm, Don't okay. quote me on the $200, but I remember it being, I was like, <laughs> this is not something, I mean, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to yeah. use it right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there are some other software out there. There was one at um uh, a pet conference I went to and it was $3,000. And yes, it had all the bells and whistles, but it was so expensive. I thought, "Oh my gosh, it was beautiful, but I thought, no, I can't. I'm not doing that." I right. think I'm going to if if anything before I buy that, I might just buy a recipe from somebody just to make sure I'm or at least have one of my quote unquote recipes audited to make sure I'm hitting everything, but they're pretty healthy and not well, done what not for you. Ruff ruff that for consultations. Yeah. Great. There we go. Yeah, I don't really have like an actual recipe. I kind of just do the ratio for now and just 
make sure like if I'm feeding something lean like rabbit that I offset it with some duck or something like that that's a little fattier for the energy Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the organs um and some obviously bones and then the fruit and veggies Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're, you know, you're hitting the big ones. So you're, yeah. you know, of course the organs are, you know, the big vitamin houses yeah. and then, um, you know, the sardines for the, um, omega threes and the, uh, balancing out the fats with the different types of protein. Um, and, and so that you are getting the ballpark. It's not like you're just feeding chicken breast after chicken breast. Every right. Day. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting and I'm thinking, oh no, this person they're so excited that they're feeding raw yes, or yes. homemade, but all they're giving is no bone, just meat, meat and yeah. no organs. And eventually the pet will probably have uh, some deficiencies and might become yeah. sick. So we do have to, you know, at least to get it close somewhat over time. It doesn't have yeah. to be perfect. Just like us. We're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right. So have you changed the way that you eat yourself now that like you're focusing on your pets being healthy as well. Sometimes you see that go hand in hand with people. Yeah. So it's funny. I actually did the opposite. I um, follow a pretty low carb diet for the past couple of years mm-hmm. and it just never clicked on me like that the kibble was high carb and not as healthy. And then when, that's yeah. when it all like really, that's why I think I went gun ho once I saw a pet fool documentary mm-hmm. because I was like, Oh my God, duh. Like why didn't I think of this from the animal's perspective as well? Like I'm doing it for me and I saw this huge change in me. So mm-hmm. that's another reason I got super passionate about it really quickly. So I did the opposite. I started with my own diet and then realized I needed to also implement this with the animals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people forget. It's easy to forget too, you know, because yeah. we're just, you know, we're just putting it in their bowl. Like we're in a hurry all the time. Oh, here, here, just scoop that out. Give it to them. They're fine. They're eating yeah. it. So, you know, because they're eating it, we think there's no issues, you know? That, and I was, like, yeah. And I was buying like a, uh, expensive kibble and I was giving them the fish <laughs> oil. They were still getting like a little bit of raw. Just, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I would make food for myself. I would give them stuff. It wasn't truly raw, but little mm-hmm. things like that. I was like, I thought I was doing the best I could and that I knew everything I needed to know, but little did I know. Pandora's mm-hmm. box was quickly opened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, going back, I thought it was um, the interesting about the, uh, you were talking about getting exotic meats and going to the ethnic markets. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff were you um, seeing and buying? What was what was some interesting things that the normal person wouldn't think of? Um, let's see. Well, like locally, I would say it was the average stuff. I was getting uh, like the rabbit, a lot of duck, um, Reese, my, my my other dog can have turkey, but Avery can't have chicken or turkey. So I was giving her turkey. Uh, they get a lot of beef products. Um, but exotic wise, I would say I was buying goat locally from one of the ethnic markets and it all came like chunked up, but it had bone in it. And so that was kind of adding a lot of time to my prep because I had to individually take each chunk and make sure there was no bone in it. Um, but online I would order and I still do occasionally. Like I order the venison and the elk. Um, I'll buy lamb when it's on sale. But mm-hmm. They're pretty lean. Lamb's not lean, but the red meats are pretty lean. Uh, the exotic red meats are pretty lean, and they're hot. They're hot meats, and both dogs seem to not do well with the hot energetics. So. Yeah, especially if they have um, a lot of food sensitivities. Most of the time, the hot foods like lamb, venison, um, yeah. can rev up their system and maybe make them a little more itchy or inflamed. Um, For sure, and they're not burning off the calories who are living in the city life. <laughs> So mm-hmm. they were starting to put the weight back on. And I was like, no, we got to nix this. Mm-hmm. So for raw meaty bones, do you do like duck necks or, or uh, what else do you do? Yeah, the majority of their raw meaty bones come from rabbit. They get quail, um, a lot of duck. 
uh, all th- sorts of duck. We get duck legs or duck, le- yeah, duck legs, duck feet, duck necks. I do duck heads. I can find all those that are Asian market. And then online I order like rabbit heads, uh, rabbit feet. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the majority of their bone content, I would say, comes from uh, rabbit mm-hmm. and duck. Yeah. Have you ever fed uh, pig's feet? I saw those recently and I went to order them because they're pretty big. And I thought, I wonder if my dogs would like them, but I ended up not. But I was just curious about them. Have you ever fed those before? I, I've seen them a lot. I haven't personally just because I feel like they're pretty fatty probably. And I've yeah. heard like not to feed weight bearing bones like unsupervised. Uh-huh. So I was just like, I don't really have time to like sit here and watch them gnaw on that. <laughs> so I haven't. <laughs> but I've, I have bought them for uh, bone broth. I make bone broth pretty regularly and I use feet. Oh, how do you make your bone broth? Uh, so I just put it in the crock pot, fill it up, and then add uh, whatever raw meaty bones that have um, like high collagen content. It's usually feet of some sort of joints. Uh, and then I add the apple cider vinegar and like a tablespoon or less of garlic and some turmeric. And then I just let it simmer for 24 to 36 mm-hmm. hours. Do you add water? On. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fill it up with water and do all okay. that. Uh, just depends how long I can stand the smell if I can do 24 to 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> in the fall and, I can put it out like last fall I was I had it going like all the time I could put it outside but this time of year it's too hot to really yeah. get the thing going outside <laughs> yeah do you then what do you do with it how do you serve it like because that's a big quantity you're not gonna yeah, get it all at once. so I went out and bought a bunch of mason jars and I just sterilized those and I strain the broth and I put it into those and I freeze them okay yeah, And then I just thaw them out like one jar at a time and I'll use it for a couple days until I'm like, okay, this is getting slimy. And then I'll freeze it into like the uh, freezer mold, like the silicone mold mm-hmm. um, with like some kefir. Yeah. And with some mm-hmm. kefir or berries or whatever. And then I just keep them as treats and meal toppers. Mm-hmm. Will your cat have some of the bone broth? Um, that's a good or question. Or even pour it over actually... the dry food. Yeah. I've never actually tried that, to be honest. I should. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, because if I warmed it up, that would mm-hmm. be more interesting to him. Yeah, yeah it's a good idea. in the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To get some moisture content. Right, right. Because, you know, kibble is really food. rough. On. Yeah. yeah, and when he does eat the um, wet food, that's what he goes for mostly is the broth. He'll weave mm-hmm. the solid stuff behind. So. Oh, so maybe he does like the juices. Yeah, I'll have to try <laughs> that. <laughs> like the ojou. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. So yeah. what um so when so going back to your dog's bowl. So what let's say what did they have for dinner today? So the past couple months I've been so busy with working on the weekends I haven't had time to prep. Um so they've been just getting pre-made grinds tonight they had oh, okay. Uh, today they had Tuckers. They also get some keto pet. They've had Darwins and they've had Steves. They've Mm-hmm. Try to a lot of them just rotating around because I'm like, I'm gonna get back to the prep soon, but in the mm-hmm. meantime, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just don't have the physical energy to spend half a weekend mm-hmm. prepping. Mm-hmm. Do you still add supplements to the grind meals? Uh, not particularly. I'll still add yeah. like the I still have uh, the fish that I add um, mm-hmm. or the fish oil. I still give them kefir or like answers fish stock. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give them eggs on top of it if we've had a lot of exercise that day or like turmeric paste, but I don't add like the kelp or the zinc or vitamin E or anything. Right, the vitamin mixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, I sell the, um, fermented fish stock and the goat's yeah. milk and all that, um, at my store. And that is something that I wish more people would, um, just supplement no matter what they're feeding, just to yes. add, give some probiotics in into their uh, pet's diet. They don't realize um, how helpful it could be for their gut. 
Yeah. And the hydration because dogs mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. That's actually, so on the weekends when I work, I only feed one meal a day. I kind of intermittent fast them, but before mm-hmm. I leave, cause I leave so early in the morning, I'll give them each like a half cup of either the fish stock or the kefir just to kind of tide them over. And then I'll give them like a pig's ear before I leave. And they're mm-hmm. not even bothering me for food when I get home like seven hours later. So. Right. Does the cat try the fish stock? No, he has never shown an interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame him though. It's pretty raunchy. It is smelly. It really is. But, you know, cats, fish, you kind of think it goes yeah. together. <laughs> I should try, but I don't want to leave that in the bowl too long. So right. he doesn't need it. <laughs> right. And the dog it. might try to take it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause a fight. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, going back to how we were talking, how you were talking about how you have, sometimes you buy grinds or uh, patties or whatever. And I do the same because you need a backup because you yes. can't, sometimes you don't have time to make the food or make a big batch and you do need something there just in case maybe you're busy and somebody else has to feed the pet and you're, you know, you don't have something right ready. Yep. Yep. So that's one of my big pieces of advice. Do you have any other like tips for people when they're first starting out? Like what, what ideas they could start with? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is I get a lot of messages on Instagram from uh, beginner raw feeders that are very intimidated when they see the bowls that I feed. And mm-hmm. I just try to tell people, you know, that's a one meal a day thing. And that's me like going all out. Like you don't really need to do that. Um, I think people just, if, as long as they're doing their best, that is great. Um, and then if they can slowly add, um, like we are talking about like, t- like fish or the kefir to their diet until they get comfortable and do some research, that would be the biggest thing I think. Right, they can don't feel start. overwhelmed. It's, there's definitely, I think, there's definitely validity in people's concern about price and variation and mm-hmm. stuff. So, don't let it overwhelm you. I guess would be my advice, and just take it step by step. Well, and when you look at all of these pictures people have on Instagram, it's like you're saying, like that's you're spending the day, <laughs> yeah, a good chunk of time making those like really pretty bowls, or they're prepping for hours before, and you yeah. don't have to do that. The bowl doesn't need to look. Nice. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I, I like that. I've posted that on a few of my captions as well. I was like, this is actually real life. Like this is just me mashing up a, a pre-made grind on the majority of the days. And what goes into those pretty bowls is I usually, when I do do prep, I prep for about four to five weeks at a time. But before I prep, I'm doing prep for that prep is what I call it. Like I'll buy the whole <laughs> rabbits. And then I spend an evening one week during the week cutting up all the rabbits. And then I spend another mm-hmm. part of the week thawing out the fish and cutting up the fish and then like making the freezer mold. So by the time I actually get to prep day, everything's already like done. I just had to portion it into their meals. So that's all done. And then you get your pretty picture on that Saturday or Sunday that I mm-hmm. happen to have time to do one meal a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So what, kind of, what kind of fish do you use? I primarily feed sardines. Um, okay. Reese won't eat them raw. So she gets the canned and water sardines and Avery loves them raw so she gets a raw sardine um I've tried mackerel uh neither of them will touch the mackerel (laughs) really Um, yeah yeah, I don't know I I don't know if it's just like a little bit harder or it has a different smell or something yeah but they've neither one of them enjoyed that um I dehydrate salmon sometimes I have a big dehydrator so I as a pastime like to dehydrate all their treats so I'll go salmon when salmon's on sale I'll dehydrate it but it's so greasy I don't like and it smells (laughs) When it's dehydrating, so I don't do that too mm-hmm. often. What other kinds of things do you dehydrate for treats? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate, like I was saying, I have a lot of ethnic markets around here, so I have a good gamut of things. I can get the pizzles there for bowling sticks. I what? They sell yeah. that at human oh, yeah. markets? Yeah, at the Asian markets. They have them all the time. They're not cheap, but they're cheaper than the pet store. <laughs> what? And, um, and people use that in their food? 
Yeah, I'm not sure if what for, but yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming like soup or something. I imagine yeah. they just get tender yeah. or something if they put them in soup. But they sell like beef tendons there. I get the pig ears there. I'll get like heart and I'll cut up the heart into mm-hmm. high into little treats. I'll get um, a very lean cut of red meat, usually steak, and I'll slice that into like longer jerky pieces. Okay. Um, they don't they don't like their mussels or the oysters raw, so I'll dehydrate those. Oh, that's a good um, idea. Smelt. They love the dehydrated smell. I tr- use those as like training treats. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 It's a gamut depending on how much space I have. Like some. Like when I do it one weekend, I'll usually do the bigger things like the pizzles, the tendons. The I, I order a raw uh, from Raw Food in Miami. I'll get their raw tracheas, so I'll do those. The, mm-hmm. And then because I can only use so many racks when I I have to basically use every other rack when I do the bigger items. But when I do the stuff that lays flat, I can fill up all ten racks. And mm-hmm. just, I've been wanting to order from that Raw Feeding Miami. You really uh, like them. Yeah, I use them the majority of the time as well as top quality dog food that's out of I think Maryland. They have a delivery route along near me so I get some oh stuff okay there. all right yeah. so they're like a co-op kind of yeah yeah, yeah I think mm-hmm. so except they just have a truck that comes to certain spots um once a month and drops it off so it's not like it's going to somebody's house and like that's kind of like up. my co-op we meet at yeah. a we meet at a gas station and it's, yeah I feel like it's a clandestine adventure you know yeah, every time you roll up there's just a bunch of people sitting there ours is at a hotel parking lot so it's in the middle <laughs> of the morning people just roll up sitting there and then this big truck comes I'm like uh, right, right and you're taking your boxes <laughs> and handing them money yeah <laughs> I know I always find that funny I'm like people must think what are they doing right yeah like hovering <laughs> behind a big truck and <laughs> darting out of there as soon as you get your load right because you want to hurry up and get it into the freezer at home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling someone about that and they were like what you meet at a gas station I'm like yeah that's our stop because they're right near the expressway exactly so, yeah, yeah. right so this um co-op will often meet at different gas stations right along the route that they deliver once a month as well so yeah so uh, what um what would be your um biggest piece of advice for new feeders, for new raw feeders? Um, like I was saying earlier, I would say just there's validity in a lot of the people's concerns when they ask about price and um, what to feed. And just to do your research, um, uh, ask local farmers or get online and research stuff, uh, join local Facebook groups, and just do your research. I can't really... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, I definitely, I dove right in. I was fortunate that I had a lot of resources around here. So I would say I dove right in. I got lucky, but people should really mm-hmm. take their time researching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And don't, I, you know, my thing too is don't get discouraged if your pet doesn't like one thing. They might not like some of the foods you offer, yes. just like, especially your cats, but just keep trying, keep trying different things, keep trying, um, different ways maybe they don't like it so cold maybe they like it more room temperature or yes definitely don't give up like neither of mine will eat um organ whole i have to put it in a blender with kefir or the fish stock and blend it Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they'll gobble it right up it's the same product but they don't like i guess maybe it's a texture Mm -hmm. thing they don't like it but um well they all have their own personality yeah and they both love rabbit now but when i first started feeding rabbit they would not eat so i did tough love with them they had weight they could lose so i wasn't too worried about them missing a meal or two (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now they love rabbits. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just don't, um, don't panic. <laughs> my one dog was that way too. I bought this great rabbit. I thought, oh, this is going to be so good for her. I found it at my local market and um, she wouldn't touch it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> then, I'm like, I wasted all this money. So then I cut it up smaller. She still wouldn't eat it. And I'm like, okay, you're going to eat this rabbit. And then I ended up just, um, I didn't really even cook it. I just seared the outside real quick mm-hmm. just to give it a little bit of like, see, I'm cooking your food. <laughs> and she thought that was great. It, yeah. I think I didn't even cook it less than a minute. <laughs> it was just a... She just wanted it to go in the pan. And I said, no, I, I don't know. And um, she did eat it reluctantly at that point. So I'm like, okay, I'm not buying you this in, rabbit in this form anymore. But she'll yeah. eat it if it's ground up like a commercial kind of rabbit. She'll, she'll eat that. That's good. She just didn't like it as the, the rabbit itself whole. Yeah, yeah, I call Avery my uh, garbage disposal. She'll eat anything I put in front of her, but Reese will like lick it, kind of carry it around, like drop it, lick it, and then bring it back. And I'm like, all right, girlfriend. <laughs> going back to the fridge. You can try tomorrow. <laughs> Our cats are the same way. They each Marshall will eat the shrimp whole, and he's the one. He consistently takes it and runs and wants to eat it on our bed. Oh, and no. I have to drag it back to the kitchen, and he he doesn't learn, so... That's just what it is. But Bear, he would just kind of like pick the shrimp and just like throw it around the kitchen. (laughs) But he couldn't like quite really eat it. So I started cutting it up into tiny pieces and now he eats it. He didn't want to have to like hunt the shrimp. Like Marshall was like fine ripping the shrimp and tearing it. Same with the sardines. Bear needed it chopped up into little pieces. And oh, now you found the you found the ticket because I wonder if that remember when we cooked what was it mussels for him? He wouldn't eat it. He just batted yeah, it around. He doesn't like to rip it. He wants to be able to just bite and like eat the bite sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Even now that he's used to it, he still doesn't want them whole. Yeah, yeah. I think he just doesn't. He'll play with it. I just don't think he likes to have to rip it apart. You know what I mean? I don't think he wants to work for it. <laughs> does, nice does he like them cooked or warm or? He'll eat it both ways. Yeah. As long as it's cut up into pieces now. They're both pretty good. They were barn cats or they were barn kittens. So I think that helps that they were used to kind of eating on their own, finding their own food. Yeah. So I think they're just naturally inclined to eat this way. But yeah, they're both they're both picky in their own ways. (laughs) Every every animal is an individual, just like humans. That's what I (laughs) Right. I try to remind people of that. I remember I made a recipe one time for my dog and she just looked at it and was like, well, I don't want to eat that. So, <laughs> so I do recommend to people that if you're trying a new a new protein or a new recipe, a yeah, make a small batch the first time and then um, see if they'll, if they like it. And if they do, then you know, to make, you know, that's something you can go with a little bit more. And, um, and two, when you're adding in turmeric or even let's say hemp oil, those all have different flavors and mm-hmm. you know that might be something, or if you add supplements, maybe it's the supplements they don't like. So you do have to sometimes uh, do elimination kind of diet. Yeah. And it, it's funny you said that because I'm um, actually Reese, my one that's a little more arthritic being a little older, she is, has a little, well, like I just don't wait, back up. <laughs> being more arthritic, I've given her turmeric paste and she loves mm-hmm. it. I offer it to Avery, the other one, and she won't touch it. So it's only, mm-hmm. and then someday she will, and then Reese won't. So it's almost like a self-selection thing as well. Oh, maybe they just take it as they feel they need it. Right, that's what I think. Yeah, and then if if one of them leaves it, the other one will come and get it and eat both both their servings. Sometimes, sometimes they'll both eat their own. But it's it's interesting that you said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, all right. So on your um, Instagram page, so 
mostly you like to just share what you're doing, like what your journey is. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if people have questions about what you're doing, they can, you know, ask you and you um, try to help them out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I get um, DMs all the time. I'm not very active on there in the past couple of weeks just because work has been so busy, but I try to get back to people in a reasonable time. Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. your Instagram tag? Um, at the radical pet, R-A-W-D-I-C-A-L. Awesome. I'm going to make sure I link that for everybody so they can awesome. find you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, we really appreciate your advice and your ideas to help other people out being more comfortable changing into uh, their homemade diets. I know not everyone's going to jump out and buy a freezer like you did, but... <laughs> It's kind of a big, you were really confident, yeah, yeah. but, um, but at least they know that, you know, there's, you, you can go through trial and errors and not be discouraged, you know, to keep, keep trying. Yeah. And just as long as you know that anything you're doing is better than nothing and just small improvements are better than nothing. Mm -hmm. And maybe watch that pet food fooled movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'd shameless plug, but I have, I heard that they're coming out with a second one soon. So hopefully it's even more good information. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one quick thing that I just learned um, this week from Dr. Morgan, I don't know if you heard this, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, they had the AFCO meetings and the one thought that just really keeps bugging me is uh, when a food is labeled buffalo, it doesn't mean it's the North American bison. That it's could be most likely is the water buffalo from Asia. What? Yes, and wow. so yeah, even um, one of the dog food makers got up. So what happened was the uh, American bison group went up there and they wanted a definition put into their AFCO definitions to make a difference to show that okay, there's the bison. And then there's the buffalo. And they want people to know that if it says bison, that's really the North American bison, what we think of as buffalo here. Yeah. But if they they want it so that if it if the pet food label says bison, that's what it is. It's the American bison. And then if it's buffalo, that they write that it's water buffalo, you know, that it's not, you know, they're not trying to pass it off as yeah. and um some companies were saying, well, it's your fault. We had to go to the water buffalo because you didn't have enough buffalo for us. And so they were trying to blame it on the bison farmers wow. and that they had to go get this in water buffalo. And I don't know if water buffalo is good or bad, but it's cheaper anyway. Um, so it's, it's, I don't even know the cost. It's much, much cheaper than bison. And so, um, AFCO said, yeah, we agree, and they're going to make um, a new definition. And so the companies that are saying buffalo cannot use a picture of the American bison. Oh, wow, ad. that's great. Um, and, you know, they can't allude that it's, you know, the the American bison. But it'll take two years. Isn't that crazy? That is, yeah. That kind of stuff just blows my mind how it's like, oh, you have like two, three, five years to implement uh, something. I'm like, what? <laughs> How, how hard is it? Like, <laughs> right, right. How hard is it to change the label? I get six months. I would give them six months, but yeah. two years, that's a little crazy. That's shocking. Just to, I don't know anything about um, buffalo or bison farming, but I feel like water buffalo would be a much 
smaller scale farming operation. You don't see like herds of water buffalo like you would bison. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But they're, you know, uh, and I'm sure that the the content, the vitamin content is a little bit different and the flavor I would mm-hmm. think would be different. But either way, it should be truthful. Yeah, that's progress. Pro- any progress is good. <laughs> In the, right. in the labeling department. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm going to let it go at that. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Rough Rough Raw podcast. We love bringing you all this knowledge and content, and we want to make sure that we can keep it coming, which requires support from our listeners like you. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and show us your love by heading to shop.roughroughraw.com to subscribe to our newsletter and check out all of our resources. Thanks again for listening.